Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Going to do a, a little Bible study for 34 minutes uh, on the uh, topic of uh, the love of God from the first epistle of John. First John chapter 4. Praise God. Father, may your blessing be added to our time today with the revelation of your word and bless those who hear this message both in the room and also via the podcast in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you a question today. Everyone just look at me a moment. Let me ask you a question. It's not supposed to be an intimidating question. It's not supposed to be a, a question that brings us into guilt or condemnation or anything like that. But it's a good question to ask. The question is this. Do you love God? Do you love God? Do I love God? It's a question we have to ask. It's not incidental to our lives because the Bible says that the first commandment is that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart. So our primary business in this life is to love God. That's, that's your main thing that you have to do. That's the main thing I have to do. The main thing I have to do is not teach the Bible. It's not to win people to the Lord. It's not to lead worship or, or get money or be a good husband. All these things may be very important. But the main thing that I have to do and that you have to do is we have to love God. What is the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. So every now and then, it's perfectly alright actually to stop in our tracks and just ask this question, how am I doing with the main thing that I'm supposed to be doing in my life? That's not an unreasonable question. Do I love God? Now, here comes an interesting scenario because of course this happened in the, in the gospel stories when Jesus sat with Peter in John 21 and asked him over a fish supper that direct question, do you love me? You know? Do you love me? And you know the story well, don't you? From John 21, Peter became a bit upset being asked so many times. You know I love you, you know. But this same question comes, comes to us today. But what I want to ask, a further question is, not just do we love God, but how can we know if we do? <laughs> because if I said, do you love God? Most people will go, well, yes, I think so, maybe, you know. And how do we measure, how do we measure how much we love God? How do we measure it? How do we know? How do I know if I love God? Sometimes you can know if you love the boy from the sweet shop when you're 10, because your heart goes all a flutter. Right? That's how you know you love, oh, that's how, I just love Duncan so much. He sits with me on the bus. I'm speaking as a girl, you understand that. Oh, I just love Tom. Oh, you know, I just love, 
I just love Linda. Uh, you know, we can know that. But how can we know if we love God? How can we know if we love God? And what I want to do in very short space of time is take you to just a few passages in First John where we can begin to sort of answer this question. God's love thermometer. A thermometer is something we had in our home when I was a kid. I don't know if they have them now even. They're sort of from the last century, you know. But it's a little device that tells you how hot it is. And, uh, and there, must be a, there must be some way for us to gauge how we are doing with our love for God that might have nothing to do with sort of how we feel and how we behave. I think sometimes... People who sing loudest in a worship service might be seen or deemed to love God more. And by the way, they really might. But that's probably not the, that's probably not the yardstick, is it? Whether people pray endlessly is, is a wonderful indication of someone with a healthy relationship with God. But it might not be, because the Pharisees and Sadducees also prayed, and Jesus didn't feel that they were very close to the kingdom of God at all. So, so I'm not saying that these things aren't good, but they are not actually the ultimate thermometer reading of whether or not we are currently in love with God. So, 1 John chapter 4, and... Um, Let's look at some of these questions that help us to understand where we're at in our relationship, and in particularly in regards to our love for God. The first question we ask when trying to work out if we are in love with God is this. Are we loving people? 1 John 4 and verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother... He's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now there's no chapter division in the original, you understand, so it just continues. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father, loves his child as well. So the first way I can work out, if I, Peter, if I am in love with God, if I am loving God in my daily life, the first one, in no particular order, would be this. Do I love people? John couldn't be clearer. If you don't love people, then you don't love God. No, 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 that's not right. I'm singing and shouting and leaping about. No, no, I'm praying. I'm fasting 40 days. No, 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 that's not it. He says, if you love God, you're going to love people. And sometimes, I'd love to... um, Sit down with someone like John and have a coffee with them. Free, filtered one. And say, John, are we on the same page here? How can you say to me that if I... The only way I'm going to be able to show I love God is by loving people. 
John, how long have you been a Christian? Don't you know that loving God is easy and sometimes a whole lot easier than loving people? I want to say, John, you say that if I don't love people whom I have seen, then I can't love God who I haven't seen. I want to say, John, have you seen some of the people that I've seen? How can you say such a thing? How could this guy write such a thing knowing that he himself was going to be bound by it? Well, thank God for the oversight of the Holy Spirit in writing the scriptures. But the Bible's really clear. The Bible's really clear. You can't say, I love God, if you, uh, particularly here, hates anyone who hates his brother. And I have met, and I'm sure you have too, Christians and, and who have such views about other people that it's probably not incorrect to use the word hate. I've met Christians and when you talk to them, they hate certain people. And you want to just knock them on the head and say, excuse me, are you in there? Now I know that we're all fine some people more easy to love than other people. Is that right? Yeah, I know that I'm really easy to love. <laughs> but not everyone is. Some people find me troublesome. Other people less so. The point I'm making is this. God says to us, if you really love me, you're going to love people. And so a good indication of where we're at in our love for God is do we love people? And more to the point, how do we deal with difficult people? We all love the nice people. But how do we deal with the difficult people? You know, the people who rub us up the wrong way. Do we begin to become angry about them? Do we begin to foster feelings of hatred towards these people. God says, if you're going to love me, you have to love my family as well. Have you ever heard of a man marrying a girl and saying, I love you, but would it be at all possible for us never to see your mother? Or a girl you know, marrying a boy and saying, I really love you, but is it possible for us never to have dinner with your father ever? If you marry into, if you marry someone, you marry their family too. And they marry yours. You want to know what so and so is going to be like? Just look at their mother or look at their father. That's a prophecy of the future. Not one that you wanted to hear today, I know. But that's a, you know, that's where we're heading. I am mirror, mirror on the wall. I am my father after all. Yes. If you, if you're going to love God, You have to love his family as well. That's what it says in chapter 5, verse 1. And so there's no room for you to say, well, Lord, you know, I love you, but I really don't love these people here. That's not a deal that God's given us. That's not an option on the form. There's no box we can tick that says that. God requires... Now, I I, I need to throw in before before I move on, but that doesn't mean we have to trust everybody. The Bible says to to be really careful about who you make your best friends and things like this. There are people that I don't trust 
There are people, and I don't trust them because they tell lies or they don't behave in a righteous way. There are, there are plenty of people who don't behave in a righteous way and I shouldn't entrust myself to them. But that doesn't mean that I hate them. That doesn't mean that I don't have feelings of mercy and grace towards them. But that doesn't mean I have to trust them. That doesn't mean I have to entrust myself to them. And uh, the Bible says, bad company corrupts good character. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And so there's a place for us to decide who's going to have... Who's going to have a big impact in my life? Who am I going to gather around me as my dearest friends? Choose your friends extremely carefully. But there's no room for us to hate people in the kingdom of God. And you might think that that goes without saying, but I'm afraid it doesn't go without saying. So do we really love people? If we love people, it's a good indication that we are growing in our love for God as well. And if you find people hard to love, ask, Lord, will you fill me with a love for you? And you'll start to naturally begin to love people. Yes? It's not that we have to, oh, Lord, please help me to love people. No, Lord, help me to love you more. And you'll find you'll get softer towards people. Question number two, is holiness easier or harder? Is living a clean life becoming more the norm or more problematic? Let's go to chapter five and picking up verse two where we just finished. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. Verse 3 of chapter 5. This is love for God. To obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Now, here's another little conversation I want to have with John. In a cafe somewhere. John, are you in a different world to me? Do you really believe that the commands of God are not burdensome? Is that really what you think? Because I don't know about you, but I battle sometimes with the demands of God upon my character. Am I alone in that here today? I don't think so. I battle with my flesh. I battle with trying to stay right before God and right before man. We know, don't we, that sin doesn't really, it's not really about doing bank robberies and murders. It's about doing murder from our heart with anger. It's not about uh, committing adultery in a hotel. It's about committing adultery just inside the heart. It's not about uh, 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 being some sort of gangster. But it's about being pure and kind and thoughtful and gentle. Not being selfish. These are the huge demands of God upon us. And you want to sit down with John and say, what do you mean? 
the commandments of God are not burdensome. But you see, I think this whole passage is helping us to get the cart and the horse the right way round. This is what Jesus said in John 14 verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And there couldn't be any better news than that. I don't think Jesus is saying in that, in that verse, if you love me, prove it and keep my commands. I believe Jesus is saying this, if you love me, if you can just get the first commandment right, if you can love me, then something will happen on the inside. Can you say amen? amen. Something will change on the inside of you. And you will be able to keep my commands. There's nothing more terrifying for a Christian than to try to live a religious, devout life. Trying to obey commandments without that person first and foremost being a lover of God. And when you see someone trying to obey God's commands without a deep love for God, I tell you, you see a failure. You see a burdened down, guilt-driven failure who will either live a substandard Christian life or very quickly look for the door and think maybe I should try some other religion, philosophy idea. Because it doesn't work. But this is what Jesus says. If you love me, if you can just be in love with me, then the commands of God will stop being burdensome to you. Why? Because the people we love, we want to please. The people we love, we want to please them. We're not doing it out of fear. We're not doing it out of a burdensome duty. But we're doing it out of relationship with God. Lord, I want to do this. I want to keep your word because I want to give you glory and I want to give you pleasure. Rather than, I want to be the best Pharisee in town. I want to pray because I love your presence. Not because I feel guilty if I don't pray. I want to read your word because it's a love letter from God to me. Not because... I'm ticking off a box on a Bible class. Lord, I want to do it properly. I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the problem with many of us, and this would be, you could say this in any church in the world, is that we've banged on so hard about, it's not a religion, it's all about a relationship with Jesus. And we are the very ones who perhaps don't really have a relationship with Jesus really worked out. In fact, all we do have is a religion. And that's why we find the commandments of God so burdensome. You show me someone praying to be holy and, oh God, will you help me? And, and, and at every altar coming and bowing down before God. And by the way, all these things are marvelous. There's nothing like someone who hungers for holiness. But take some advice from an old hand. You've got to love God first. Otherwise, the rest isn't going to work. It's not going to work. You've got to love God first. 
If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, said Jesus. If you love me, you will automatically begin to keep the things that I've required of you to do. Number three. You know, I could unpack all these much, much more. Question number three. Is the world lovely to you? Verse 15 and 16. Let's read it. Chapter 2. First John 2. 15 and 16. You there, say I? Do not love the world or anything in the world. It's really interesting. Because John 3.16 says quite the the, uh, reverse. John 3.16 says, The God so loved the world that he gave his son. So what is this? Do not love the world. God loved the world. Now God loved the people of the world. Yes? Can you say amen? amen? God loved the people of the world. We're supposed to not love the world, but we're supposed to love the people of the world. Jesus, the friend of sinners. Is that an accusation that could be made of you? It, but if it, it's something that ought to be an accusation against us. That we should be seen to be the friend of sinners. Well, what sort of Christian are you? Hanging around with those people. Jesus was the friend of sinners. Do not love the world. That means don't love the things of the world. Not the people of the world. Don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I want to ask you today, how are you doing with your love or not so love for the world? Once again, we have to get the cart and the horse in the right place. If you will love God, You will not love the world. But if you begin to go cold in your love for God, then nature abhors a vacuum and you'll start to love the world again. Some have known what it is to not love the world and then to begin to love the world again. Why? Because their love for the Father began to decline, you see. God will help us by his spirit to love him. And by loving him, that will enable us to not love the world. There's a very famous sermon. You can find it on the internet as soon as this uh, service is over, if you like. A Scottish preacher from a few centuries back, he wrote a sermon called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And To cut a very long story short and to take out the Scottish accent too. The expulsive power of a new affection was simply this. If you love this, you will not love that. And if you begin to love this, you will stop loving that. And new affections in our lives drive out the old ones. Yes? So a new love in your life means that you stop loving something else. And this is what the Bible is saying here. If you will love the Father, then you won't love the world. You don't have to come and say, Oh God, take away the love of the world. No, you have to say, Lord, fill me with a love for you. 
And there will be an expulsive power of a new affection. I remember, and Jane hates this, but I remember when I first met Jane. Uh, she used to go to bed very, very early. She would always be in bed at 9.15 or something like that, and she denies it now. But when we first started dating, uh, we would, you know, stay up lengthily, like till like 10 o'clock. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I know that I do. I know it's early. And then we'd meet again, and that time we'd stay up till quarter to 11. And something was happening. There was, because I'm such a wonderful guy to be with. Preach it, yes, yes. <laughs> there was a new effect. Now, let, let me assure you, it didn't last all that long. And it's not true now. Now we're married. Now she goes to bed at quarter to nine. I'm telling the truth, aren't I, fellas? But she didn't say, oh, God. She didn't go to her, at least I don't think so. Oh, God, help me to stay up tonight. She just wanted to stay up. There was an expulsive power of a new affection. You see? And God wants you to love him. And if you love him, then the things of the world, you just won't love them anymore. You won't have to try not to love them. You won't have to break bondages off you. You won't have to pray spooky prayers. You just won't love them anymore. Isn't that good news? Somebody say amen. Amen. It's good news. But you try breaking your love for the world without loving God, it's not going to work. I remember another family story that I shouldn't tell, but I will. Uh, uh, I have a wonderful uh, stepdaughter called Emily, as many of you know. And a few years ago, she said to me, she said, um, uh, she said, I really want you to watch this uh, DVD from America. Oh, what's that? Well, it's the American TV show Lost. I said, oh, you'll absolutely love it. I said, oh, no, no, I, I, I'm not really bothered about things like that. She said, no, 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 you'll really love it. It's, it's, brilliant. it's about a plane crash. What else is it about? Well, I'm not sure, but it's about a plane crash. Really? Uh, how many episodes is it? Oh, it's about 26 episodes. Oh. Oh. Right. Right. How long are they? 45 minutes each. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Well, I'll try and, I'll try and squeeze it in. Yeah, I, just, I haven't just got one series. I've got three series. <laughs> so what are this? Like, something like 70 episodes. Yeah, all right. I'll put one on. So I put it on. Oh, it was, it was brilliant. Ooh, what's going to happen next? I put the next one on. I put the next one on. I just watched it time after time after time. And then it finally got to the bit where they were showing the final episode where everything was going to be revealed. I'm not sure it quite worked, but everything was going to be revealed. And they were showing it at five o'clock in the morning, American time, British time, you see. And I said to Emily, I said, Emily, are you going to get up with me? We're going to watch the final episode together. She said, oh, no. What do you mean? I've watched hours of this. Hours. Aren't you going to watch the final? No, she said, I'm just not bothered about it. 
He's not, he's not bothered about You've given me this addiction. And you're free. And you know what happened? In between her giving me the discs and the final episode, she got herself a boyfriend. And there was an expulsive power at work. Now what she cared about is a bit, she wasn't worried about the people on that island. Uh, yeah. Who cares? Who cares? I just want to be with him. And to this day, she has not seen the final episode. She hasn't got a clue what any of it was about. I have seen it, and I'm not sure I do know what it was about. But yes, If you love God, you see, other things will be pushed out. You won't have to try. Isn't it wonderful news? I think it's good news. This is the way we're supposed to live our Christian life. Not fighting against things, but turning our eyes and our affections above. Lift your affections to things which are above, Paul says. Not try to not like these things, but just turn your affections to things that are above. And then an automatic change will occur in you. God will be in control. You see, the final one, question four, how can we know that we love God? And with this I finish, do we care about the poor? First John 3 and verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And then he goes on to explain what he means by that. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let's not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. The final way that we can know that our love for God is growing it's not only will we love people in the way we were mentioning earlier, but we'll actually want to help them as well. We want to help people who don't have what we have. I think there could be, and I, I mentioned this a few years ago, and I still think it's true today, I think there could be a real trendy thing about helping the poor. It's trendy for a church to do. But this shouldn't be a trend, this should be something real. Sometimes it can be trendy to do social action programs, to help people. You know, it can be like, oh, it looks, it's kind of cool, Look, it looks good on our website. And, but we have to stay so clear of that. We help people because God loves them. And some people we help, they won't even become saved, you know that? And we know that, don't we, here? You help again and again and again. And you think, come on, mate. How many times do I need to paint your wall before you get born again? Come on now. <laughs> but it, it just don't catch. It just don't catch. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't have done it. The good Samaritan picked the man up, took him to an inn and paid for his hotel for the night. It doesn't say he left him a copy of the Gospel of John. And insisted he came to a Bible study the next week. Now, of course, we want to see people come to Christ. 
make no mistake. But there's also something godly just about helping people. Just about helping them. And if we can do it in Jesus' name, all the better. And if we can do it with a gospel touch on it, superb. But if we love God, we will grow with our compassion towards those in need. That will be an indication of our growing love for the Father. So I'm sort of out of time, but here are, the, here are they again, these four. How can we know if we love God? Is it our singing? Is it our praying? Well, John doesn't mention any of these, good though all those things are. He says that if we love God, then we're not going to have any hatred in us for people. We're going to love people. We're going to want to help people in need. For no other reason than the love of God is in our hearts. He says if we love God, then we're going to start to keep his commandments. And things that had appeared burdensome from the Bible will stop feeling burdensome. They'll start feeling natural. And our love for the things of the world will begin to disappear. And be replaced by our love for the things of the kingdom of God. One young man came to Jesus once and said, of all the commandments, what's the most important? And they dialogued together and agreed this. The most important commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. All these things, Jesus said, encompass the whole of the commandments of God. So I ask you, and I ask me too, how are we doing with the main thing that we're supposed to be about? How are we doing with the first commandment? Because its power in our lives will be astonishing and will make you the Christian that you've always wanted to be. It's good news, isn't it? Let's stand together. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.